Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm out on the road and I'm in front of audiences of parents and things like that. And I have this line that I say all the time. I say, look, here's the deal. Brace yourself. If it's nature, it's you. If it's nurture, it's you. And everybody sort of laughs nervously. But then I say, but that is really an optimistic stance that I'm taking. Because I'm really trying to tell you what you can do. I'm really trying to show you how you can make a difference in this. I wouldn't want to be standing up in front of people and saying like, yeah, well, sorry, you got a chemical imbalance. There's nothing you can do about it. Or, yep, this is a genetic problem. And so here we go. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about worry and other big feelings in parenting. I'm your co-host, Robin. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a fluster clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. So Lynn, I'm so excited that for season four, which is going to launch at the end of August, we're going to start including family session episodes where you're going to talk to a family who has agreed to be anonymously recorded. And I think that it's going to be so great. Yeah, it's going to be me doing interventions, doing sessions with real live families. I love this because I think that hearing other families, A, it's kind of fascinating to see how other families really are working under the hood, Mm -hmm. but also how helpful it can be to apply their situation to our own and to apply your advice to them to our own. So I think it'll be great. And if you're interested in being one of those families join the Facebook group because that's where the link is to submit your question. So I have been going through those that we've already gotten from the members of our Facebook group. And I always find it somewhat interesting. And I can't wait to hear your opinion. When listeners talk about anxiety being a genetic component in their families. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I want you to explain that a little more, because the more I really think about what you've talked about, this is a really complicated issue, isn't it? Yeah. And the best way to think about it, well, definitely the most accurate way to think about it, is that everybody is a combination of their genetic makeup and of their environment. So it really is this very interwoven thing between nature and nurture. And so when we look at genes, that's nature, right? We come with our genes. But when we look at nurture and when we look at the family environment, when we look at parenting styles, particularly in those early years, for a lot of things, it's incredibly powerful. So when I hear somebody say, well, you know, this anxiety runs in our family, generally they mean that in a way of say, oh, well, it's in our genes. And people sometimes just very directly say, well, it's genetic because my mom had anxiety and my grandmother had anxiety, so we know it's genetic. There's a real risk in taking that genetic assumption or that genetic presumption too far, because here's what we do know. There is no anxiety gene. There's no depression gene. Just like there's no trauma gene, there's no racism gene. 
these things are so, so socially impacted, so socially influenced because we're social creatures. So do certain children, do certain people have a genetic predisposition to things? Absolutely. We know that, for example, a behaviorally inhibited temperament, which is just a fancy way of saying a child that is just temperamentally a little shy or a lot shy or gets overwhelmed easily, that's more sensitive to things. That is a genetic temperament, and it is a big risk factor for developing social anxiety later in life. So if we know that, if we know that you come in with certain risk factors based on your temperament, it becomes even more important that you pay attention to your nurturing, you pay attention to the environment, you pay attention to the things that you are teaching and modeling for your kids because it just means that you've got a little extra work to do in order to mitigate the risk of a child developing anxiety disorder. When we look at the risk factors of developing anxiety, when we look at the risk factors of developing an anxiety disorder, the biggest risk factors that people talk about, that the research talks about, have a lot to do with environment, have a lot to do with all the things I talk about in this podcast in terms of parental control, in terms of what parents model, in terms of their catastrophic thinking, in terms of how you let your child experience the world. Can you truly even mitigate the risk? If so, say you had an anxious parent and now you're a parent. Mm -hmm. But if you don't really even understand how anxiety shows up in you, then how are you going to mitigate the risk for your kids? You're not. You're not. Say, let's take a family that's got a generational history of alcoholism. And this is a similar way of looking at it because we know that there is clearly in some people, there is more of a genetic predisposition to developing alcoholism. The research about that has been pretty clear for a while. So if you have this predisposition, this risk in your family, and you don't recognize it and you don't do anything about it, which means that your dad was an alcoholic and maybe in your family, you're not an alcoholic, but there's a real culture of drinking. And then when your child is 12, they say, can I try your wine? And you go, sure, have a, have a sip. Or as long as you're drinking beer at the table with us, that's okay. You're not paying attention to the risk. The reason it's so important for adults who are raising children to recognize the social patterns and the things that we can do that add to anxiety, the reason that's so important is because you have to understand the nurturing risks in order to compensate, for lack of a better word, for the nature part of it that just comes out when you have a kid. Right. You know, sometimes people wait until something bad happens to talk to a therapist, but why wait? Therapy can help you shift your perspective, find tools to cope in difficult times, and feel grounded in your personal relationships. So getting started is the important part. Talkspace makes it easy and affordable. With Talkspace, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. It's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions with your licensed therapist from the comfort of your home, your car, your office. There's no need to commute to appointments and miss time at work or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. 
That's right. And it's secure and private. They use the latest end-to-end bank-grade encryption technology to store client information, complying with the latest HIPAA regulations. Remember, Talkspace is affordable and it's in-network with most major insurers. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $80 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster. To match with your licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Fluster to get $80 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com slash Fluster. I really have to pay attention to hydrating properly. I work out a lot. I talk all the time, as you know. I am pretty active and I don't drink enough water. So I'm constantly thinking about how it is that I am going to hydrate in the best way possible. And I'll tell you, if my water has a little bit of flavor, it's so much easier for me. And if I can get those electrolytes, if I can get more bang for my buck, it's just so much better. I have been using liquid IV. I put it into a huge glass. I put it into the refrigerator. It's cold. It's very tasty. I've been putting it in my water bottle when I go to the gym. The packaging is so convenient. I actually look forward to drinking it, which is not something that comes naturally to me. I love the lemon-lime flavor. They've got a sugar-free option. Option that is really great. So I think that if you're somebody like me that has a difficult time getting in the amount of hydration that you need for your body, Liquid IV is a great option. One stick, 16 ounces of water, it hydrates better than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, and it doesn't have all that sugar. It doesn't have artificial sweeteners, eight vitamins and nutrients just for your everyday wellness. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. However you hydrate, grab your liquid IV, hydration multiplier, sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code FLUSTER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code FLUSTER at liquidiv.com. Alcoholism supposedly does have a genetic factor that makes someone more addicted to it Mm -hmm. than others. Yes. But let's talk about depression because depression does not have a genetic component, nor does anxiety. But so say you have family histories of depression. Yeah. So we have to be careful when we say it does not have a genetic component. We know that there are certain genetic factors that probably put you more at risk. Like with OCD, for example, that has a pretty strong genetic push. Depression, I mean, the jury is still out on this. Are there genetic factors? Probably. There's no anxiety gene. There's no depression gene. And temperament has a lot to do with it. So just so you say, we can't say there's no genetic factors. That would be inaccurate. But we know that when we're looking at what to do to prevent and what to do to help people recover, then we really want to look at behavioral things. We really want to look at relationship things. We really want to look at, you know, that nurturing component. So we can get in the weeds with this. This can get complicated. There's so much research about what's genetic and what's not, and so much controversy about it, to be honest. Let's just break it down. When we are looking at anxiety, the thing that I want you to pay attention to, parents, as you're listening to this, is the anxiety patterns in your family. 
So what did your parents or parents do? What did your grandparents do that conveyed that the world was a dangerous place? Or of like how they just hated uncertainty. Yeah. And therefore they had to be very controlling. Yep. So it's, it's parental control. It's the expression of parental fear. It's worrying. So if you had a parent who worried all the time, most kids, and if you had a parent that worried all the time, you're aware of that. You recognize that. That's really the key thing to this. Because say we go down the nature path and we're looking at, oh, yes, well, we know that this is genetic or there's a genetic component. Okay, great. There's nothing we can do about that. If you have a child and they have your genes, there's no going back from that. So the really important thing to recognize is what are the risk factors in your family? If this has been going on for generations, it is very likely both a combination of some genetic stuff in there temperamentally, but the most powerful thing that you can do is recognize your patterns and teach your children how to engage with uncertainty, engage with their emotions, engage with the world in a different way than you were taught by perhaps your anxious parent. You know, we can say the same thing about alcoholism, right? If you have alcoholism in your family and you want to stop that generational pattern, how do you interrupt the patterns that make alcohol available, that make it acceptable, that make it a part of your social life. Not that alcohol is a horrible thing all in all. It's the motivation for drinking. What are the circumstances with which you drink? Right, right. And we can say the same for depression. We can say the same for violence in families, right? We hear a lot about generational trauma. The really, when we're talking about the nurture part of this, The thing to remember is that the goal is to interrupt generational patterns and to really take a look at what you learned and what you need to unlearn. That's the most powerful thing that you can do. Anxiety and depression are incredibly socially driven. This reminds me of the same parallel when teens want to identify with their diagnosis. And it's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm depressed. Therefore, this is a genetic condition. Right. And, I, and this is who I am. Well, no, because maybe we want to remove a little bit of self-accountability from our behaviors. But if it's the nurture part, that's the part that we can fix. Yeah. I think that limits what families can do to really improve their relationships, to improve their mental wellness. It's really so, so important that we just step back and look at the patterns and, you know, making that distinction between blame and responsibility. It is not your fault that you come from a family with a history of depression. It's not your fault if you came from a family with a history of alcoholism, but it's your responsibility to figure out what you can do to interrupt the pattern. And for me, that's the key thing. When I hear people say, yeah, it's genetic. There is oftentimes a little flavor to that, a little something in that that says, yeah, well, there's nothing I can do about it. You know, it's genetic. You know how it is. And that's what I really want to push back against. It really is important for you to recognize how much behavior and nurturing and language and relationships impact both anxiety and depression. It's that trapeze you talk about where 
if you are just very attached to the idea that it's genetic and that there aren't a lot of resources, but if you let go and catch that next trapeze that's mm-hmm. coming, that this is a nurture piece, that there are ways to change the environment and disrupt the patterns, mm-hmm. it's ultimately very optimistic. Yeah. And one way, sort of, if you think about this, this oftentimes gets people's attention. Say that you're a parent and you've got this 10-year-old in front of you that's really struggling with anxiety, or you've got this 15-year-old that's in front of you that's really struggling with some depression. And you say to them, yeah, you know, well, there's nothing I can do about it. It's genetic. Or you say to them, you know what? This is something that we can really pay attention to in our family. And I think that there are some things that we can do that are really going to make a difference. And I'm going to really pay attention and learn a lot about this because this has been in our family for a long time. And I want to help you and I want to help me figure this out. Isn't that a lot different and a lot better to talk to your kids in that way instead of saying that, yeah, well, sorry, it's genetic. This is what you got. You wouldn't say that. That's almost cruel. Right. It's dismissive. But people say that to me, yeah, well, you know, it runs in our family. It's in our genes. You know, what are you going to do? Well, what are you going to do? Let me tell you what you're going to (laughs) do. So it's really just a much more connected way of talking about it. And it's actually a much more helpful way of talking about it because we know that when people change their patterns and when they look at things through a lens of shifting out of the patterns, people get better, people recover people do get sober. After many generations of alcoholism, there are people who get sober and they don't get sober because they changed their genes. Mm. They get sober because they changed their patterns, their relationships, their connections. They work hard to change the things that are changeable. Mic drop. Boom. Just in time for the back to school season, the second Fluster Clucks course is available. This is Lynn giving the same information and techniques she shares with her clients on how parents can help manage anxiety in their kids. It's a six video series plus nine additional videos of Q&A with me and Lynn, and it's available after August 16th, but a pre-sale discount applies for all purchases through August 15th. Robin, before we go away, let's just talk a little bit about the retreat because we know the deadline for registering is coming up. I can't believe that the fall is almost here. I know it is. I'm so excited for our retreat at Canyon Ranch. And we understand that Canyon Ranch is a bucket list kind of experience that doesn't fit for everyone. And we're making plans for different types of retreats in 2022 that might be a better fit for you. Registration closes Monday, August 30th. So please go to our website or our Facebook group so that you don't miss the deadline to register. We'd love to have you. And it's a really fun time. It's a really informative time. We're just really looking forward to launching into these in-person retreats that got put on hold, obviously. What I really am so happy about is that I, as I see the family sessions I see people write in to want to be included on those episodes, and I'm seeing what families are going through. I love that we're creating so many different types of resources, because for any family who doesn't need a little bit of a mental health tweak or boost right now, you know, come on, we all need one. We all need one. And I think it's just a way of letting everybody know that you're not in this alone, that the things that you are experiencing 
are just common to being a human being. If you are a human being, if you are a parent, if you've got little people that you're raising up in the world here, the things that people ask me, the things that people write about, the things we'll talk about the retreat are just so universal to being a human being, particularly now, but even before all the pandemic stuff. If you would like to be considered for one of the family session episodes coming up in season four, be sure to join the Facebook group where you will see the link to submit your questions. It has to be a family issue, ideally dealing primarily with anxiety slash depression. Some people have submitted great questions, but they're just areas that are a little outside the scope of what I do. So join our Facebook group this summer and you'll be notified first of these courses and events that we're having. So thanks for listening to another episode of Fluster Clucks. It's so great to have you with us. Enjoy your summer and we will be back at it in full force before you know it. Bye, Lynn. Bye, Robin. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.